Hey everybody, welcome to the Be Better Tomorrow podcast. I am your host, Jason Fisher. This month we have a phenomenal show for you. I'm visited by Chris and Laura Cook, the founders of Positive Foundry. They are partners in real life as well as in the business. It's a great story they're gonna tell you right up front about how they quit their jobs on the same day to kick off this business, and ever since then have been teaching people how to flourish in their lives, but with the power of positive psychology. Let's jump right in and hear from Chris and Laura. Probably months ago, maybe not even remember it. It says you guys quit your jobs at the same time to do this? <laughs> yes. We did. <laughs> the same day, actually. Was this just the guttiest move ever or some sort of strange coincidence? I feel like there's a great story there. There is a great story there. I mean, I think, Lori, you want to tell it? I mean, either way. <laughs> so, I, well, I'll, I'll start with the story. So, I, this had been a long time coming for me. I had been working as the assistant head for the Wellington School and really on this path and this journey towards wanting to understand this whole concept of flourishing. So we had been in agreement that I was gonna leave my position and it was planned. So the day that I had the conversation with our head of school, which was a very hard conversation, I did love working in an independent school environment. I leaned over to him and he said, in the middle of a choir concert while our daughter was singing, he said, how'd your meeting go? And I said, good. And then what happened next? Then you said- I think I said, I said, I quit my job today. Yeah. <laughs> I quit my job today. <laughs> and then he proceeded to tell me that he had talked to my dad about it and was going to maybe wait till tomorrow to tell me, but he thought now was a good time. And the choir concert was going on. I knew I couldn't get too much trouble during the choir concert. Right. So. Well, that's what I was thinking. That's a perfect plan. She can't just start screaming at you in the middle of the choir concert. Right. That's actually well played, sir. Well played. Yeah. Yeah. But we had been like dreaming, well, we'd been dreaming together really about the creation of Positive Foundry. And I think as the more we were going down that path, I feel like you were kind of like, well, I'm not going to sit by and not be a part of it. But I don't, we didn't, we really had no financial plan at the time for how we were going to do it. So it just happened. It did happen. It, it forced our hand. We kind of burned the boats. <laughs> Would you recommend that strategy for people who are looking to live out their dream? Not if they have four kids and... Uh... <laughs> Okay, so he says that. I actually would 100%. Because you know what I think is amazing is that if you are on a path doing the things that you really love, like the universe just responds and gives you what you need. And I truly believe that. I feel like the minute that happened, things just fell into place that were almost like we couldn't really believe they were happening. So in a way, I would say just go for it because, you know, entrepreneurship is risky and you just do it, right? Go for it with a plan. I mean, we, we had a plan, somewhat of a plan. <laughs> we knew we were, what we were getting ourselves into and um, yeah, it was the craziest decision we've ever made. Yeah. And I think it forced our hand. Had we not both quit our jobs at the same time, we would not be as far along, you know, we would have started a business, I think, but not nearly as fast because you just have to be all in. Yeah. And, um, and we, and we were, <laughs> I think we, our kids were a little bit shocked when we told them. <laughs> so how old were they? Were they old enough to really understand what you were doing? Yes, they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially the, we had at that time, we had two in middle school and two in elementary school. So the middle schoolers for sure knew what was going on. Yeah. 
But Did they assume their college fund was being flushed down the toilet at that point? Or? I, I think so. They were wondering, like, well, are we going to be able to go out to dinner again? <laughs> <laughs> but the silver lining is those two girls who are now seniors in high school actually interned for us all summer, and they understand our business, and they were great assets for us. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's all worked out. So this, I, this is your area of expertise because you lived it, but not necessarily what we are going to talk about, but I find this fascinating. This idea of people not having a safety net and it forcing them to, you said, Chris, be all in and burn the boats. I love that story. I don't have the guts to do it. <laughs> but I think a lot of people find themselves in that situation. I've got two kids. Uh, my wife homeschools, so no income on that side. The idea of stepping out and doing something like that would terrify me. It's probably you know the reason I, I stay in a safer place, but it's probably also the reason that things aren't accelerating, like you said, to the point that, that you've gotten to. Well, that's interesting. You know, there's two, I think there are two actually psychology mindsets that are related to what you're talking about. Would you, are you going where I'm yeah, going? Yeah, yeah. We can sort of believe in scarcity, like there's not enough of something, and we can go down this path of being sort of afraid that we're not going to have enough, or we can go on this belief of abundance like mm -hmm. there is enough for everyone in the world and the world will give us what we need. And so the hard part is finding that perfect balance for each individual. Like where does that line feel good to you? You don't want to go, you don't want to take too much risk, but at the same time, you also don't want to believe in scarcity because that gets us nowhere, right? Like believing that, you know, there's not enough. We saw it with the toilet paper shortage <laughs> <laughs> during COVID. Yeah. But it is interesting that you really can go down those two different paths. And I think for years I had a scarcity mindset. And I think that this sort of forced us to switch into an abundant mindset. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, all, it's interesting because every time you, you see what other people are doing, it's so easy for us to compare and you have to just keep bringing it back to like, no, wait a minute, we're here for a reason. We're, we know why we do, we're doing this. The world is going to give us what we want. There's enough for all of us. Let's help everyone rise together. And that's, you know, just the belief and uh, really a foundational belief that we have about this business and, and uh, the work that we're doing. And in, in the whole idea of just knowing your purpose and where are you going and then staying focused on that no matter what, right? Like yeah. you're, we're on a path. We know the path we're on and we're just not going to get clouded by all the distractions that are around us. And if we follow our path, we know it will work. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean we didn't have a plan. We did have a plan. We had some. I hope so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> ish. Well, ish. Well, I mean, I, okay. I know I told you I wasn't going to use the video, but man, I wish I could share the look <laughs> on my faces with the listeners as you're, you're both kind of looking like, what are we allowed to say yeah, right. while we're on live on the air? I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, we second mortgaged our house, right? So we knew, but we was a calculated risk. And like Laura said, it's, it's all about the abundance model and mindset. And that's really what we, you know, continue to believe and the world keeps giving, giving back to us. And the more we give, the more we get. I find from an economic perspective, like I understand in the growth of the pie and the, abund the abundance mindset, it's just that fear that I think often overtakes entrepreneurs and holds you, you know, holds you for a while, especially if you don't come from a place where you've seen that. It's wonderful that your kids are going to grow up seeing you took that risk, you're living your dream, you're, you're doing things that are fulfilling, that are helping you to grow and providing for your family. And they'll be able to see that and, and see more doors open to them in the future. So that's wonderful, guys. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Thank it's yeah. not that we don't have fear either. Just sure. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. there's a lot that creeps in every once in a while. But we just practice our mindfulness and go back to, you know, what we're here for. <laughs>
Yeah, I forget who started. I saw it in some cheesy movie originally, but you know, bravery is not the absence of fear. That's stupidity. Yeah. The bravery is doing what is right, even in the presence of fear. Yes. Yeah. And so exactly. that's where we are. That is so good. Um, before we get too far down the line, give us a quick elevator pitch. What is Positive Foundry for those people who are listening who don't know? So Positive Foundry, we are a training and consulting firm. We are focused on using the science of positive psychology to teach a skill set that will enable individuals to flourish. Because our core belief at Positive Foundry is that when individuals flourish, organizations flourish. So right now, most of our focus has been on the corporate environment and working with individuals inside corporations. But it's amazing to see the corporations that are willing to invest in the program because it's very much personal development focused. So we teach things like how to practice gratitude, mindfulness, emotional intelligence, optimism, things that aren't necessarily like directly related to a job, but they do enable people to show up at work better and do better work. But I was either uh, well-practiced or you just know it by heart. <laughs> no, I, trying to figure out what I mean, that's there. the truth. Yeah. And I'll tell you, one of the most exciting things that we are, have going on right now is we've had this dream of using our corporate clients to enable us to fund some programs for teachers because a lot of schools aren't willing to invest in this. And we really think that in the United States, we have a little bit of a challenge, I guess, in terms of mental health and getting into schools and getting specifically working with teachers and then helping those teachers work with students to teach some of these same skills at a younger age. Mm -hmm. So we are um, actually super excited because in September, we're gonna be launching free, a free program for any teacher in Central Ohio to um, participate in three training programs a week, just short, we're, we call, we're calling them well-being bites, but just short bites on well-being. But that's really been like our dream of being able to sort of give back and using our corporate clients, the the revenue from our corporate clients to be able to do that. So that's super exciting for us. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting is that we kind of started out with our vision of how do we create generational change? And so we believe that people, when you start to practice and learn these skills and, and really bring them into your life and create new habits, that we're going to be able to help create generational change. And that starts with our teachers. Mm -hmm. And so we can help our teachers to start to learn these skills and practice these, these skills themselves, and then teach the, these students how to have emotional flexibility, how to build resilience, how to have a growth mindset. All of these skills that we teach, you know, are foundational for them to be able to live, you know, a, a better tomorrow. You know, how, how do they have a better tomorrow? How do they live their best life? Yeah. I love that you're doing that because I, every time I look back at the things I learned in school that I just considered completely useless, I went pretty far in math and science and it's just not stuff I've ever touched. It was interesting. It was fun. And it taught me to think a certain way. But what I never learned was the emotional intelligence to handle the rage that I was dealing with as a young Appalachian kid. Never learned how to talk things out with people without turning it into a screaming match. You know, some of those emotional intelligence items, worrying about scarcity, I was born, uh, well, I was raised by parents who were born into the Great Depression or right afterwards. So there was always that kind of scarcity mindset underlying everything, everything that happened in our home. And I didn't realize how much it had an effect on me until later. I'm, I'm so glad that somebody is getting into schools and starting to teach kids these real life skills that they're going to use for the rest of their lives in various areas. That's wonderful. Um, we'll make sure to put a link out to, um, in the show notes for whatever you guys have going on for the teachers. 
lot of folks from Central Ohio listening to the show, so we'll make sure to get that information to them. That's be great. Awesome. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Now, I use the term uh, positive psychology. How is that different from like regular psychology? What's what's specific about that? Basically, up until 1998, the entire field of psychology was focused on diagnosing mental illness. And in 1998, Martin Seligman became the president of the American Psychological Association. And he basically said, There's, there are 33% of our population in America that are struggling. They, they call it languishing. Um, but only 16% of the population at the time was flourishing. And so there's this big middle ground of 51% that we say are sort of neither. And so what Marty did as president of that American Psychological Association in 1998 was he took an entire pillar of psychology and psychological research dollars and dedicated it towards the field he wanted to call positive psychology. And positive psychology in, by definition is what enables individuals and communities to thrive. And so basically since then, that's when all of this research has come out around gratitude and now mindfulness has been you know going on for centuries but there wasn't a lot of research backing it up and so what has happened with the field of positive psychology is we have some research and some science-backed techniques that have been proven so gratitude is one of those that there have been a lot of research studies around uh, mindfulness optimism everything basically that we teach has a science-backed base to it and you say before that, there really wasn't a lot of money going into that. It was just worried about fixing the bad things, but not promoting anything. Yeah, it was all it was all in diagnosing mental illness. And so there's a, a book called the DSM-5, I think. Yeah. And they basically, yeah. in that book, we have over, over 290 labels for problems that we can have psychologically. And Marty Seligman actually created, helped create Via Strengths. And he said, we have no common language for what's right with us. We have all these words to describe what's wrong with us. And there's no book on what's right with us. So he was like, we're, we're coming at this all wrong. We really have to start thinking about how do we enable people to flourish? How do we enable people to thrive? How do we enable people to learn what happiness, authentic happiness is? So there was a lot of self-help books before that, but you're saying they were not scientifically backed exactly. at that point. There weren't, there weren't studies going into it to determine whether or not anything really worked. It was kind of this guy's idea or this woman's idea and kind of threw that forward. Exactly. I didn't know that. I didn't know that history. That's good. I mean, I've heard, obviously, and reaped all the benefits. I you know, graduated high school around that time, so things were starting to shift in that direction. Uh, it'd be nice to see, like I said earlier, some of that stuff reaching down into getting kids starting younger. So they're not struggling as long to, to figure out how to do these things. I've tried to instill that in my kids as we go along. Um, but I'm still catching up. Yeah. <laughs> There's still a lot of that. Still a lot of that work. Uh, well, I'm with you. Like I had a giant breakthrough at what were we? 43, 44. Yeah. It was like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, you can actually think about things that are really good that are going on in your life. And if you do that enough, you'll rewire your brain and all of a sudden you'll start to see them all the time. And you're like, it works. And then I mean, it does, it works, right? Yeah. You can, we can choose to see the world as everything that's negative, or we can choose to see the world as everything that's positive. And yeah. it's our choice on how we view that world, what lens we want to hold up. So it's amazing when your eyes are opened. I know you probably have, you have that story as well with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like taking, it's the observation bias, right? Do I have the term right? When you like, it's the same thing where you see your car that you just bought that you'd never seen before, but then you see it everywhere. Yeah. yeah just because you happen to notice it now and you can start to 
again, make those things. Oh yeah. I'm going to notice the positive things that are going on because I'm training myself to do that. It's, it is tricky. I've, I've been working on it for a long time and still getting those negative spurts and, and forget to realize the good things that we have going on. So I've gotten into the journaling habit a little bit recently, trying to continue to do that. Good for you. Continue to write that stuff down and, and read, read through it every so often. This is common knowledge, right? We're all wired for fear and negativity. That's what's kept us alive. So, right. so it's really hard. We have to practice you know, being more positive, we have to remember to tune into the positive channel. I mean, you look at what's happening right now in the world, and it's so easy to get caught up in the news cycles and, you know, what's happening on social media and all of these things. And those are all, you know, designed to uh, prey on our, you know, the fear and all of these things that that sells for TVs and ads and all that stuff. So it's, it's really easy if you're, if you're, catching yourself on those channels all the time and metaphorically and physically <laughs> on those channels, then you can get more programmed to be negative and be in a negative state and be more judgmental state. And so it takes a lot of hard work and practice to build those habits, to be more positive and more optimistic and all those things. So that's really what we're designed and we're all, each one of us is a work in progress and we, we teach this stuff and it's super hard. <laughs> Isn't it fun when you, my wife does this to me all the time. She'll hear what I'm talking about on the show or what I've been thinking about. And then she'll just use my own catchphrase against me on something. Right. <laughs> That's not even cool, woman. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, Leave me alone. I, I always say like, well, we're in this business and in this field because I think we need it the most. So. <laughs> yeah. For sure. I find myself totally like getting, getting the guest and, and getting into this, these things that I want to learn. Yeah. Like I used to do a lot with personal finance and with folks and I still love to help people out with that, but I could never spend my life writing about that because once I was good, in a good place, I was done. I'm done. Le- I, like, I'm not that I have learned everything, but I got out of debt. I got things paid off. I, I'm not going to dig into that too deeply anymore. I'm going to get somebody to do my investments for me to some degree because I don't have time to mess with. And now I'm moving on to this, this more emotional intelligence uh, you know, flourishing, being mindful of things. That's what I really want to learn and study because I think I didn't learn it growing up and it's never too late and I want to get it so that I can teach to my kids. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah, I love awesome. it. And I love that you have so many passions. That's awesome. Uh, unfortunately, that, that bites me. I mean, <laughs> at least not a word for it. Uh, multi-potentialite is a word that coined by Emily Wapnick. <laughs> it's for people who are so not focused and are just interested in everything. And she finds some neat ways to help people combine those interests into things. So this combined my learning, public speaking skills, trying to bring that together to help people along the way. So hopefully this stays long for a, stays around for a long time and I don't get too bored. That's so awesome. So. I doubt, I, yeah, it seems like you won't. No, I keep finding great people to talk to and just learning more and more as we go and making connections along the way. It's just been really good. That's so cool. So I've actually heard you guys twice now. You've come to, uh, to Centric Consulting. Pretty, it's a, I mean, known on the show, I interviewed Larry about four months ago now for his new book that came out. Actually, came out right at the beginning of Corona, which is perfect. It's all about working remote and keeping your company culture. It was fun. And you guys have been to our national meeting twice now. So I remember the first year, taking a picture of one of your slides and going, I need to write something about this just because I need to get it into my head. <laughs> it, was, it was how to respond when people are talking to you. I forget exactly how you phrased it because I'm not looking at the slide, but I ended up doing a podcast about it probably about a year ago um, about good conversation and how to lift people up in conversation because I am a super competitive talker. I was very much the one-up guy. I'm going to tell my story now. Are, are you done? Cause it's my turn. Let's go. And I think 
hearing that from you guys and listening and how to respond and how to be helpful and positive was, was just really good. So if you guys have ever had an opportunity out there to, to get Laura and Chris over to your company or even to do any of their webinars, I'm not sure if you guys do individual stuff, uh, we'll have to make sure you get over there to check them out. That's just my little plug for you. Oh, thanks. That's, That's cool. Thanks, Jason. Active constructive so, responding. Tell me more. Remember that? Active, tell me more. Yes, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> And that's, I've tried to get more into asking questions. One of the reasons I started doing an interview podcast was because I wanted to get into that practice. And I listened to Larry King and he said, you got to make it about your guests. So I'm talking too much about myself right now. We'll get back to what you know. You're not at all. You're not at all. What are some of the big issues you see now with the COVID experience? I know we're all dealing with like an underlying level of anxiety that seems to be getting us all the time. What are you seeing more and more when you're talking to folks? What's going on? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, they, um, the United States, one of the things we talk about are all these, you know, negative headlines that are happening in terms of America and our, like where we're going from a mental health standpoint. And what's interesting about coronavirus, I feel like that we've seen a lot more in terms of webinars and people that are logging in of um, this issue around loneliness. So in the United States, there are a lot of statistics stated, you know, sharing that we are in a loneliness epidemic where even though we're more connected with social media, we feel more disconnected from people. It's really interesting how that works. So one of the things that we've seen is we run for one of our clients, we've been running three sessions a week and we see people that are logging in just to feel connected, just because they don't have people around them. They don't have strong, meaningful, positive relationships. And so I feel like this is bringing a little bit of that to the forefront for people. And they're, they're maybe recognizing the importance of that during this time frame. And I'm hoping that as a result of it, people will want to then go be connected to each other since we've had to be disconnected because of this virus for so long. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Despite the fact that we seem to be in Zoom meetings all day, and online with folks, um, I just don't understand. I feel feel like I'm disconnected. I'm seeing my family a lot, which is wonderful, but not being able to, you know, go to co-op for our kids that are homeschool, or to go to have happy hour, or go out to lunch. Just those things we take for granted for so long. Yeah, it's just getting getting to be really rough. And it's social media seems to give you an air of connectedness, but it, I don't connect well through text. I'm definitely a talk it out kind of person. So. Yeah. How are you helping people to deal with that kind of stuff? I don't know. There's a couple of things that I think in regards to this. One is that I think there's a great opportunity that people are not, some people are not seeing yet. And that the opportunity is that we are slowing down to some extent because of what's happening in the world around us. And so it's forcing people to be more creative, more uh, create more opportunities for ingenuity and like, I think coming out of this, and we won't really know until this is, until we start to see uh, some semblance of mm -hmm. recovery, that we're going to see an explosion of creativity and innovation, I think, coming out of this. But, but what we're hearing so much about is what's going on in the news cycles. And I think that clouds people's judgment of the kind of, of really the reality of what's going on, because I think people are taking time to really pause and reflect. And we're not hearing about those stories because we're hearing about all the negative stories. And so I think uh, that is gonna, that's gonna emerge out of this cycle. And I think also that, um, I don't know, the, the hard part is that people are getting stuck, I think, 
because of the um, the constant sort of negativity around COVID and everyone has a different perspective on it and everyone thinks theirs is right and no one's like saying time out like we can all be right like we're all allowed to have different perceptions or judgments around what it means for us individually and I think we're not mm-hmm. we're not as as human beings sort of looking at each other looking at each other there like yeah like I, I get it you're seeing the world this way I'm seeing the world this this way and we're both right and it's okay for us to feel that way because we come from two different backgrounds we're two different ages whatever it might be and so I think I don't know I just think hopefully that the work that we're doing is helping people have those conversations and be a little bit more real with each other because I think people are appreciating when we show up and see each other for where we're coming from so anyway I don't know if that's a way to answer the question but I think that's just an observation that I'm seeing with the clients that we're working with that I think you know yeah there's we need to, we need to work faster according to my Facebook wall because nobody's understanding at all <laughs> yeah, right? <with> each other <laughs> right but when we when we have these conversations with our clients and they're on the on these connect they're connecting with us online they're like grateful for the opportunity to just to like be real and show up and not talk about work but talk about like hey yeah you know what I had a tough day yesterday, but man, it's so great to see you or it's so great to just like be real and share that with you. One of the things, one of the things we do at the start of any session, which is funny, we didn't actually do this when we first logged on with you. I'm surprised we did, but we usually do a check-in, which you would know because it's centric. I think we did this a couple of times, but when you check in, it's all about emotional intelligence because step one of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. And what's amazing uh-huh. about self-awareness is it's the hardest part of, of emotional intelligence, right? It's the hardest to know how we're actually feeling because instead we like to just show up and like spew it on someone else. We don't like to actually pause and go, <laughs> oh, wait, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now or I'm feeling anxious about this or whatever. But, um, but so we start every session with a check-in and we ask people to say, okay, take a deep breath and think about how you're feeling in this moment right now. And then we want you to share how you're feeling and what's going on with you with another person online in a breakout room, just one-on-one. Yeah, that was the most uncomfortable thing you made us do. <laughs> was it? <laughs> yeah. That, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I am not a, I'm not a share my feelings person. I was at a table with people I didn't know very well. Yeah. And it was like, I have to now tell this person, okay, what do I make up? Like, what's the right answer? What should I say? So what's funny is, yes, it's uncomfortable. But the thing is, is that's what connects us as human beings. Mm -hmm. That's the level of connection that we need in order to really connect. So as uncomfortable as it is, when we do that, we feel connected and we don't feel lonely. We feel like someone heard us and like we shared something of ourselves and we listened to someone else. So what we're finding in some of these, we call them the built to connect sessions, um, is people are making these friends across the country because they're thrown into a breakout room and they've got four (laughs) minutes to talk about how they're doing. And I think that's been like a silver lining of COVID for this client in particular, because we wouldn't be doing these sessions every week. I mean, if COVID hadn't happened. So there are a lot of silver linings of this whole pandemic. And I think we just have to look for them. I saw a high school kid, I have to say this, I saw a high school kid and um, she didn't get her whole, you know, senior experience of graduation and sports for her senior year and everything. And 
I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You must be so disappointed. And she said, you know, actually I'm fine with it. There are so many milestones in life. I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna have children. I'm gonna graduate from college. There are so many milestones that I will celebrate. You know, missing this one, it's okay. And I thought, God, we, wow. we could all learn from her. <laughs> For real, yeah. I was not, not that mature for right? my year. Not even close. I don't think I was either. No. And I, what's cool about the check-in, and I think if you, if you have any corporate listeners uh, listening, as they, as you do these Zooms, and you and oftentimes you're just trying to get down to business, and you're not slowing down to like check in with your team, like, hey, how are you doing? <laughs> um, so, for, so for many of us, you know, we we forget that we are human, and that like if someone's got something going on, they can say, you know what, my kids just da 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 da, and you can give them like an out. You're like, oh God, I can totally relate to that. Do you need? 30 minutes to go do that, take care of that. And we can pick this back up, right? Like we can give yeah. sort of this human uh, opportunity to be human together and empathize with their current situation. And if we have a chance I, to say that, then we're less likely to carry it with us into the meeting and use it in judgment towards someone else or in defensiveness or whatever other ugly way it could rear its head, right? Because yeah. you, you express it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I had a moment. We've got a, I don't know if you're familiar with the app, Marco Polo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a video voicemail. Yeah. I've got this, this group of guys were reading and we decided to read a book together. We had like a regular conversation and we decided to spin up a second one for this. And I'd recommended the book we, and everyone jumped on it. This one guy is a really critical reader, just the way he is. And so I'm be, getting defensive about this book because I like this book and he's really, and I'm like, I, I think I, I said something snarky. And then my one friend came back and said, Hey, don't, don't stop being critical. I enjoy this. I'm reading it better because you're being critical. And I went, why am I defense? Oh, I had to do a check-in on myself and realize that I was just taking it personally because I recommended it. I'm afraid everyone's not going to like it. And by proxy, they're not going to like me. So I actually went back and said that to them. Like, I don't know why I was doing that. I'm sorry. Be critical. I don't care. We'll read through it together. And we'll have good conversations. It'll be fun. Wow. That's so, an awesome those, EQ good, moment. Yeah, that you, Jason. Oh but so... But but so often, like we'd let our pride or whatever stop us from doing that, especially like I find I, I learned these, all these lessons the hard way with my kids. So what I get into those modes with my kids for whatever reason, I've got to go back to them and be like, all right, listen, this was not okay. I got mad, but it was, had nothing to do with you. I was mad at work and I just hadn't gotten processed through those emotions and suddenly you're here and things got crazy and I yelled and I'm sorry. And so they're watching me go through that. And hopefully by that example, they're able to do some of that same processing and, and figure out things as they go. So that's, that's the best we can do as parents, right? Just kind of give them those great examples and help them to learn and shepherd them through that process so that it becomes more natural for them. Oh gosh, yeah. you're so right. Yeah, it's so That's good. a great example and just amazing. Yeah, your kids are lucky kids. No, I, don't, I don't know about that. I've, I'm sure I've caused them therapy and need for therapy in many other ways, but <laughs> at least in that way we'll get through, get through something. Yeah, I mean, being human, it's all we can do, right? We're all, yeah, yeah. We're all coming from the same place. Mm -hmm. And thinking the same things, right? Yeah. Probably more often than we, we would like to believe. Yep. A hundred percent. So do you think, I'm trying to figure out if people are more likely to jump straight into business in a conference room or on a conference call? I think Zoom is actually much worse or whatever you use for it. It's actually much worse for that because you feel like once everyone's arrived, you've, you're sitting in front of a computer, not in front of a person. Like you're just a, a face on the screen. And so it, you have to be really intentional about taking five minutes. I've tried to not plan any short meetings, though I'm really not a fan of long ones either, but it, you know, 
one increment higher than I think it should be so we can have that 15 minutes or whatever it is to to have those conversations and just be people yeah. before we jump in and, and we're resources. It's so true. It's amazing. There's a company called NPRO. They're like my idol of a, an organization. I learned about them at the Mindful Leader Conference in Washington, DC. And they have rules around length of meetings and length of check-in and then mindfulness sessions that have to be held. So if you're having a one hour meeting, it's a five minute emotional check-in to start at every meeting and there's also five minutes of mindfulness that has to happen at every meeting and these this company has the most like present workforce and their productivity is off the charts because they have these rituals of check-in and mindfulness yeah so you're totally right even five minutes at the beginning of zoom meeting what you'll end up doing is really driving productivity and you'll improve the efficiency of the meeting by having that connection in the beginning every meeting i think i would drive it would drive me a little crazy you can, <laughs> you can check in a ton of ways we check in. <laughs> okay here's one way of check-in is you say tell me your weather forecast right now so your weather forecast you might be full sun you might be tornado watch or you might be like <laughs> cloudy with a chance of pop-up showers right i mean that tells you a lot about where someone's coming from you can check yeah. in a lot of different ways I get that. I just, I often slip into that super A type, like get in, get it done, get out. And then we can talk after the meeting. <laughs> you've got, you've got my, you've got me allotted for this amount of time. This is the, your time to get your work done. And then we can be in the hallway for 45 minutes after totally. this 15 minutes, we're getting the work done. Well, you can do it that you way can, too, right? You, you, you got to check out as opposed to check in. Yeah, but nobody ever does. Yeah. You get it, you get done with the work and you leave. If you don't do it up front, it won't get done. That's why I get up early to get things done because otherwise they're not happening. You got to know your audience. Yeah. I think the other yeah. thing I'd like, I just like to say about uh, Zoom is that Zoom, you have to be, you feel like you have to be on, like, because you have to be in front of the camera or because everyone can see you. So mm -hmm. some of the things that we talk about is like, you know, Zoom is great, but it doesn't have to be Zoom. So if you have, you know, a really strong connect connection with the people you're meeting with, you can just say, hey, for this, we can turn off our cameras or we can just do a phone call and have a just even more, more productive conversation without feeling like you have to be on Zoom. I think just because we're in this pandemic, everyone thinks that Zoom is the way, but my goodness, we, 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 we owe it to ourselves to pick up the phone and just have a phone call every once in a while. Yeah, that's true. That's a great point. That's true. Here, here's a tip though, since Zoom and Teams and all those will let you do a virtual background, yeah. just take a picture of yourself in front of your computer with whatever outfit you're wearing that day. That <laughs> way, <laughs> if you have to step away, you're still staring at the screen. Yeah. I think my kids <laughs> just make sure you have figure that out during Bluetooth online school. <laughs> Bluetooth headphones or something so you can still have, be in the conversation. Oh, yeah. Although if your mouth doesn't move, it might look weird. <laughs> Let's see. That's so funny. Not that I have done that in any of my meetings. For <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah, absolutely. Just an idea I've thought of. <laughs> I did make a picture of me looking over my shoulder, looking confused once. I don't know. Just to, to <laughs> show what I was feeling in the meeting. So good. With this kind of low-lying anxiety that people are having now and the loneliness that we're dealing with, what are your... You have quick, and I know nothing's quick when it comes to mindfulness, but some quick wins that people can maybe look into or follow up on that can really help us deal with the situations we're going through right now. Because I'm assuming by the time this airs, things aren't going to be changed a whole lot. We're probably all still going to be somewhat locked down and, and still feeling these things. Yeah. So it's interesting. The if you think about what anxiety is, anxiety is when we are 
somewhere else in our mind other than right here. Say, say more about right? that. Right? So, so if you think about it, I can't, I guess I could be anxious talking to you because this is, you know, we're having a podcast and I'm looking at you. But in a normal situation, when you're driving in your car and you're feeling anxiety, you're feeling anxiety because your mind is somewhere else other than driving in your car. Okay. Right? Because you're thinking about something in the future. Um, you're trying to control something that maybe you can't control. Um, so anxiety, right? It, it, it's happening because your mind is somewhere other than the present moment. So what's amazing, I think, one of the things we've really been working on um, with a lot of our clients is just this idea around breath work and mindfulness. So if everyone, if we, if the minute we feel anxiety, we paused and said, I'm going to take four, four by four breaths, you know, you breathe in through your nose, you hold it for four seconds, you breathe out for four seconds, you hold it for four seconds, you do that four times. That brings us back into the present moment. And then we can think about how to deal with the anxiety. But I think what happens is we don't slow down enough to recognize what's going on with an emotion. And so we let the emotion control our actions and our day even. I think that the three greatest practices, if you were to say, what three things should I do? One would be breath work. And particularly we, we really love the waking up app, but there are a lot of different apps out there. Um, but I would practice breath work at least five minutes a day to start and work your way up to 10 and as much as you want. The second would be journaling. And you said you journaled at the beginning of this session, but you know, writing the best way to process emotions is in a journal. The best way to capture our subconscious mind is in a journal. And we're writing in the journal, not to write like, you know, a travelogue of what we did yesterday, but really just what's on our mind and just writing, not for the idea that you're going to even go back and read it ever again. It's just the act of writing. And there's so much research about the power of a journal. So breath work, journaling, and then the last thing would be a gratitude practice. And it is as simple as waking up in the morning and writing down three things you're grateful for and why. And that's it. And I'm telling you, when I first started this practice, some of my gratitude was, I am grateful for my roof over my head. I mean, I couldn't come <laughs> up with, I mean, you know, like it was like, it, I couldn't get much deeper I, than that. I'm and glad then, this, this is totally a, I'm glad I'm not the only one moment. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> but three things you're grateful for every day. And I'm saying if those three things, if everybody in the United States did those three things, we would take a ton less medicine we would all be happier and healthier that's that's my good. three things what, what do you think i love that what do you so think? i would just add to that is we have to change our state and the easiest way to change our state is move and so moving getting outside taking a walk like you move your body and it's sometimes it's hard but you have to catch yourself like okay i'm feeling anxious you have to catch yourself recognize that you're feeling anxious and then it's like, all right, I have to do something. I have to move or sometimes I'll, I'll jump and I'll do the cold shower thing for 30 seconds or 60 seconds oh, if I can gosh, stand it. You're one of those. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But it's like, you got to change your state. So when I'm frustrated or really angry or whatever like that, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm going to think I got to take a cold shower. Like I got to do something to shock the body 
And it's the same thing with moving and getting up and getting the body because that changes your yeah, state. And I, I only say and, that uh, as a somewhat joke because a few weeks ago I had one of my favorite authors on his name is Ben Hardy and he's a big proponent of the morning shower, turn it cold at the end. And so I've been trying that and good Lord, that's not fun. <laughs> like, oh, it's not fun. It's horrible, but I love it. It's like, it's, it's so invigorating. I've been trying to convince my wife and kids to, for us to get a cold plunge and she refused. No one wants to do it. I, I love Ben Hardy, but I'm not getting the cold yeah. plunge. <laughs> yet, yet, yet. Always add yet. Can that's right. yet. Yes, I'm not getting one yet. No, that would be the, and, and I think it's also just to get off the news channels. Like you gotta, you gotta turn off, change your channels of what you're watching, who you're hanging out with, whatever it is, because I, I've just, as I observe people get together, it's so easy for people to start talking about the negative things, about the politics, about, true. you know, the, the, the racial unrest, all of these things. Now we can have very productive conversations about those things, but we can also have very unproductive. And a lot of things that I'm seeing are very unproductive conversations. So how do we remove ourselves from those sort of channels and turn, turn ourselves into more positive channels? So. Yeah. It just comes down to our choice and how we spend our time mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. Yeah, so I think one of the things people who are working from home need to realize is you're probably working more because you don't have the hallway conversations and some of those other things to distract you walking from meeting to meeting since it's just literally clicking a button and getting on there. So those slowing down moments of taking some time to, to be intentionally mindful, to get up and move. My wife and I have gotten into the practice of taking walks a couple times a day, just a couple blocks, get some fresh air, get some yeah. sun. It really does make a difference. Your brain gets to decompress and your subconscious gets to do some work where you know think problems that you couldn't solve suddenly come to come to fruition because oh my my brain had a chance to from down cycles to make things happen while I was you know just talking about the weather with my wife on a walk. Yeah. 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 And you know what? I think you make a good point. Like everyone is missing those hallway conversations. Mm -hmm. So the other thing is to just when you're feeling lonely or you're feeling not connected, like pick up the phone and call someone. Call someone that you would normally see in the hallway that you have nothing to do with at your work and just say, I was thinking about you. I miss seeing you in the hallway and have a five minute conversation. Yeah. They probably will be more excited about it than you are. I mean, we all want to feel connected and every person is missing that, I think, in the world. Yeah, that would be a good challenge for people so, at work. Just like, let's start a hallway conversation, phone call. Like, I'm just gonna, hey, let's have a hallway conversation. Yeah. Like. Yeah, you can even just, you should call it hallway tag and yeah. you should start at Centric. I might yeah. do that. Say, I tagged you, you're it. You gotta find someone right, else. I'm taking it. Like I'm, the hashtag I'm taking up tag. the challenge. Go for it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a good reminder that we need to create what I like to call these sort of firewalls. And journaling is a great way to do that because you can start to journal like, okay, one of the things we talk about is how do I create my best mm -hmm. day what does my best new day look like in this new reality if you're working from home? And so you visualize and write that out in your journal. What, what would the best day look like in this new reality? And then you can start to develop like, okay, how do I create that? What are the routines and habits that I need to create my, in my new day to be able to achieve that best day now that I'm working under these new conditions? Yeah, and, when, and that's, a great, that's a great suggestion. And then when it feels like Groundhog Day, <laughs> and it's and it's driving you crazy then the next morning you wake up and say what do i want to change about this day that yeah. because we're all in control of our day yeah. right yeah. i mean 
And if you have kids, if you have kids and your, your kids are not going to be going back to school, which a lot of kids aren't going to be. And so you're, you need to figure out together as a family unit, you know, what is this new reality going to mean for working parents and kids in school online? What are the routines? Who's going to do what chores? Like you have to work together as a team. It's a great opportunity to bring the whole family yeah. together. To say, How can we work together yeah. right, in this time? Because that's all, you know, that's all we have is each other. Yeah. So in, in many cases, literally. <laughs> Locked in. Yeah, literally. <laughs> right. Exactly. You're right. Exactly. So. Well, y'all, this has been a wonderful conversation. I'm going to end the same way I end with all of my guests. I want to ask you, what are you doing today to be better tomorrow? For me, it's just, I'm always trying to work on myself. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing mindfulness. So I'm doing practicing mindfulness and using that as an opportunity to how do I get better? How do I get more space in, in my thoughts so that I can slow down? and be more intentional and show up the way I intend to, because you know, a lot of times I don't show up the way I intend to. And so I use those opportunities to help practice. You know, it's like lifting weights for your brain, for your brain when you do mindfulness. And so it just helps me slow down and, and be more intent, intentional with the way I want to show up. And so I'm just trying to practice you know, the, what, we're, what yeah. we're teaching practice every what day. And it's not... And it's not, it's not easy. This is, this is, you know, this is working on yourself. So that's what I'm doing. I would say that a lot of what I do every day is to be better tomorrow. So I love your tagline. Um, I spend time every day learning. I spend time every day stepping outside my comfort zone. I spend time every day trying to figure out our mission, which is to create generational change through teaching the skills that lead to joyful, meaningful living. So I spend time on all of that every day. And to be honest with you, I said this to someone the other day, I feel like I'm living a bit of a dream because I honestly don't feel like work is work. It, I feel like every moment of this life is amazing. So I would say, just about everything I do is with the intent to be better tomorrow. I love it. I love your tagline. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining us for another wonderful episode of Be Better Tomorrow. You can find everything about this show and our guests at BeBetterTomorrow.com slash 28. This show is released under a Creative Commons share-alike license, which means you can use it for any non-commercial endeavor as long as you give us credit. The music that you're hearing now by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech, also released under Creative Commons license. I hope you've enjoyed the show, and as always, I hope you'll find something in it that'll help you be better tomorrow.